0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you Health Renaissance people. Okay, this is an exciting day. Today we're talking about informed consent. Now, this is uh, going on with all the psychosis and the degradation of our society and the forced medical procedures. Um, informed consent has been part of, well, really um, a society for ethical and moral reasons for centuries. Uh, Now, in certain societies, they have taken away informed consent and actually forced medical procedures on people. Uh, So what we're going to do today is look at where informed consent uh, started to get degraded, okay, and why it's no longer enforced in America. And this it sounds like a strong statement, but let's go to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control about what they say informed consent is um what, what they utilize to force um, medical procedures on people without their consent. Now, it sounds crazy. In fact, if I was to say this five years ago, you'd think it's nuts. But let me read a comment off of one of our YouTube videos. Uh, after a generation, do the children um, believe it's normal to be forced to get vaccination? That's how a cult works. The human mind can understand only what it experiences. So, by shaping people's experiences, you can control what they understand and hence what they believe. The, this person also commented, by the way, your Nazi accent sucked. That's maybe a good thing it proves you're not the Nazi. Well, I don't know. I thought my Nazi accent was pretty good. But, you know. Uh, he's got a probably stronger opinion than I do. Okay, so let's look at this. Where did all this craziness come from? Well, in New York, Rockland County, they passed a ban to ban everyone that didn't have um, the measles vaccine, MMR, up to date. Now, they're not checking for titers. So these people that have had absolute measles and they're immune for life, okay, those are okay. Okay, <laughs> you know, except they're, they're, they're saying, look, even if you have the titers and you have lifetime immunity, you still have to show your vaccination. And they're doing it from 18 years old and, and below. So what about the 19, 20-year-old, the adult patients who, whose vaccine have worn off? There's no logic to it. Now, to ban people because they have, they're, they're, now remember, these are healthy people. They're healthy and dynamic people. Let's take this back, like, say, 50 years before we actually had the measles vaccine. Now, before the vaccine occurred, we're talking 4 million cases a year, 400,000 of them go to the hospital, and no schools were closed. And, in fact, during the measles epidemics, for centuries, no schools were closed. They weren't barred from public places. It was a very mild, benign childhood disease. Now, about 400 out of the 4 million cases would die a year. Now, these are people with weakened immune systems and secondary infections. So, those are extenuating circumstances. I'm talking 2019. They're banning healthy children um, from schools, and this is something that would never would have happened 50 years ago. Now, when the ban was enforced, okay, well, we're talking 153 cases over six months, and they said currently there's about five cases. Um, and I just want you to understand that, that in Rockland County, uh, Edward Day declared a state of emergency. Now, he doesn't have the authority to do that. Um, According to the state, he just did it. So this means they banned anyone without proof of vaccination from any public place. This means that you could have AIDS or anything else walking around, no problem. But if you weren't vaccinated, then you have to be um, banned. So this means no churches, no synagogues, no markets, no schools. It's, It's martial law and then um, parents will be held accountable if they're found to be in violation of the state emergency act and this focuses efforts on parents of these children we're urging them once again with the authority of law to get their children vaccinated now this is again martial law to force a medical procedure now this is not informed consent this is you get your kids vaccinated or we're going to get you arrested and pay fines that this is America 2019. Now, they also have health inspectors that are breaking into people's homes, and people are getting critical of that. No kidding. You know, uh, I mean, let's, let's just throw the Constitution on the trash can right now, because these health inspectors are breaking in to make sure that your children are vaccinated. Um, and, and again, this, this goes on to a small group of people trying to control a larger group of people. Now, um, anti-Semitism. In Rockland County, there's a large uh, Jewish community, you know, Orthodox Jews, and they wear the traditional black garments, but they actually think that God built them well. Now, since they've been surviving for thousands of years without vaccines, Um, They think that they can go the next several thousand years without vaccines as well. So they choose not to vaccinate. That is their choice. You can say it's a religious exemption or it's their actual personal choice. So here was out of the New York Times. And I'm talking the New York Times for um, uh, the 29th of, of March. Uh, title of the article, An Outbreak Spreads Fear of Measles of Ultra-Orthodox Jews and Anti-Semitism. Let me just read you a blurb out of this. Now remember, this is America 2019. Erica Wingate, who's working at a clothing store downtown this week, when a male customer with a black hat and side locks, typically worn by ultra-Orthodox Jews, started coughing. Another shopper standing next to him suddenly dropped the item she'd been holding and clutched her child. She was buying something and just threw it down, Mrs. Wingate recalled. She said, let's go, let's go. Jews don't have shots. Yeah, 2019. Now, what a lot of people might not know is that in New Jersey, Holly's Law was passed in 2004. Now, this is a five-year-old girl dying after her second measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. And it was caused by the vaccine. And it even says on the vaccine effects label that it can cause brain swelling and death. Now, this is what this gal died of, the end result of encephalopathy or brain swelling. And what they passed was a tighter law where you can take um, a, a blood sample, look for antibodies, and if you have sufficient antibodies, then you don't need the second shot. Now, that, that's common sense, uh, but again, let's go back to... Before the measles vaccine was in place, 4 million children would have it every year. They did a Brady Bunch comedy episode on it, so there were no mass um, restrictions of activity. So let's just look at this. Let's just look at the order of the Rockland County Judge, Judge Thorson. And here, I'm going to read this. Quote, Hereby temporarily enjoining from enforcing said order in petitioners' children are hereby permitted to return to the respective schools forthwith and otherwise assemble in public places. End of quote. Yeah, that's clear. Okay, so what he said is you guys can go um, back home. Now, remember, this is imposing martial law for um, lack of compliance with um, the, government, the state um, a, a vaccination policy. Now, when you read the entire um, article or, or uh, judge's order, they go in and state, quote, um, at the time County Executive Day declared the public health emergency, there were no more than four active cases of measles in a population of 325,000 people. There were no deaths or serious side effects have been reported from any cases of the measles. Um, now, what do, we, what do we look at this? Because, again, we have the fear and the panic that our children are raised with, the psychosis and the um, uh, controlled education from the media. Let's look at actual science, the American Journal of Epidemiology. They did a modeling um, for what happens when you're vaccinating people. Um, and they said, the, with the institution of the measles immunization program, the por- proportion of susceptibles in the population fell about 3.1% from 1978 through 1981. Then, after 81, it began to rise about one-tenth per year to reach 10.9% um, in the year 2050. That means that you're going to be greater than the pre-vaccine era even though you're vaccinating. See, there's a difference between wild infection and the measles vaccine. Uh, It doesn't protect you for that long, and you can't pass it on to your offspring. So we're seeing mothers that aren't... that are vaccinated that didn't catch the wild version, not being able to pass on their immunity to the children. So this false immunity is actually weakening the immune system response, and this is causing more damage. Now, I encourage you to look at our measles videos. We did two of them in the last couple of months. So let's look at the death rates of measles before, before the vaccine. So it was less than one person per 100,000. Now, if we look at this, there were two people dying from cancer. There were almost four people per 100,000 dying from sudden infant death. Um, And you're talking about 13 people per 100,000 were dying from some congenital anomaly. And we're going to go through how there is a positive association between um, vaccine uptake and autism, uh, according to the National Institute of Health, We're going to go on that there's an impact of increasing prevalence of autism after 1979 uh, because of the MMR, the measles shot, that that some intelligent people are refusing in New York um, actually are linked to, um, well, it's built in human fetal cells, but it's linked to increases in autism. And this this is a brilliant article. It's published in the Journal of Public Health and Epidemiology. So why are we going with the authority of of martial law imposed by the state when there's absolutely no... um, uh, epidemic of measles, but there is an epidemic of autism, of one in thirty-eight, and we're seeing um, uh, the public is being educated on that, and there's data to support this. It's not some delusions of some, um, you know, uh, state health official. So when we look at the health of our our population, uh, you're talking autoimmune disorders at 20%, liver disease. But in reality, 54% of America's children have a chronic illness or disease they'll never recover from. And in 2016, we're 77th in the world in infant mortality. This is more kids. Take, take it back. In 1960, before the measles vaccine, and it's not only the measles vaccine. There's a lot of contributing factors. But America was 12th in the world. So that means there were 11 countries that were better than us at raising children. Now we're 77th. That means there's 76 other countries in the world better than the U.S., so, I mean, just do me a favor, go on Google Scholar, just for the heck of it, if if some ignorant person out there still thinks that the science is settled and vaccines are safe and effective, go into Google Scholar, type in aluminum in brain tissue and autism, okay? You'll get around 9,000 results. And you will read actual scientific articles that talk about autism, acetaminophen, vaccines, adjuvants, I mean, just brilliant stuff. So here we go. Since our population is one of the sickest the world's ever seen, and vaccines we know are not 100% safe and can cause severe disease, should you be able to decide what interventions are done to your body? Or should you be able to, you must follow the state? Um, vaccines can cause death and severe disease in some children, but it's for the greater good. Have you heard this? Okay, do you want the state to decide which children they're going to sacrifice? If it's for the greater good, and we know that this medical procedure does cause death, damage, chronic disease, and illness, and we know before the advent of vaccines that four million cases were occurring throughout America, with 400 deaths. And so what, what happened to those 400? So you're looking at w- less than one in 100,000. So right now, how many people need to uh, die or contract uh, a chronic illness or disease from the vaccine program before alternative um, programs or alternative approaches are utilized? Um, let's look at and Alan Cantwell. And he's discussing when they utilized a measles vaccine in, in Africa. Unbelievably, the measles vaccine caused long-term suppression of the child's immune system for up to six months to three years. As a result, the immune system depressed children died from other diseases in greater number than the children who had never seen the vaccine. Tragically, African girl babies in the experiment were given twice the dose of boys. therefore suffered a higher death rate. Um, and then we're going to go on to explain um, how the how how this psychosis is being forced on us. I mean, Let's look at bloodletting. That was practiced in ancient Egypt for, you know, 5,000 years. And it's literally, it was practiced until 1900. And it's one of the medical dogma approaches that killed George Washington. Um, The germ theory, I mean, talking about small animalcules or bacteria. In 1670, it took until 1920 to adopt that these germs may be contributing to diseases. Um, when you look at 1846, Dr. Semmelweis, in this hospital that he was working at, he found young, healthy women coming in to give birth. They were getting sick. And so he called he called it childbed fever, they were calling it, and he forced his doctors to wash their hands before they worked on it because he felt that perhaps there was some type of um, transfer of a pathogen. And he was put in an insane asylum. And in 2010, that's when forced medical procedures, forced vaccinations without informed consent started in America. So let's look at informed consent. The definition, it's a phase of consent. Now, this is literally the definition. Quote, permission granted in the knowledge of the possible consequences, typically that which is given by a patient to a doctor, for treatment with full knowledge of the possible risks and benefits. Now, the Nuremberg Code, it turns out that these people that were experimenting on prisoners, the biggest challenge they had wasn't the experiments. Okay, even though the people were prisoned, tortured, and killed, it was that there was no informed consent. And so they said that, that to follow this code, there had to be an informed consent there had to be an absence of coercion. There had to be properly formulated scientific experimentation. And there had to be a benefit towards experiment participants. None of this is going on in America. There is no informed consent. You were forced to get this. There is total um, coercion because they're saying you can't leave the house. It's martial law and properly formulated scientific experimentations. You have four people out of a population of 300,000 that have measles. That is called an epidemic. That's not proper. And benefit towards the experiment participants, when we know Hawley's Law demonstrates that a five-year-old can be killed by it, this is not, not appropriate, right, or legal. So let's look at the vaccine consent form on the CDC. That's right. They have a consent form for the annual influenza vaccine. Now, I've got the, I've got the form on, and I'm going to show you tonight. Um, and it asks about allergies. It asks about, has your kid had a reaction to the flu vaccine? Does your kid have any diseases? And then on the bottom of the form, get this, it has three boxes to check. One, you consent the child's vaccination. And listen to this. I have read or had explained to me the 2010 to 11 vaccine information statement for the seasonal influenza vaccine. I understand the risks and benefit. Bam, you get that and the kid gets shot. The next one is the same thing, only you're submitting to an organization to shoot your kid. The third one is, listen to this, I do not give consent to the name of the organization conducting or, or its staff for my child named at the top of this form to be vaccinated with this vaccine. So you can actually say no. So what is this vaccine information statement? Well, when you go on the CDC site, it actually has a copy of this. And so I go in and I think, wow, cool, let me look at the history of it. So some of the questions are, is a vaccine information um, uh it is, this vaccine information statement, a uh, an informed consent form. You go to the CDC site, and they say no. Sometimes use the term informed consent loosely when referring to the vaccine information statement, are written to fulfill the information requirements of the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, uh, not as informed consent forms. Because they cover both the benefits and risks associated with vaccination, they provide enough information that anyone reading them should be adequately informed. Listen to that. The adequately informed so you can make a decision. Now, what is a vaccine information statement? So I go in and I look at the history. But it's really important you look at the history. So, again, the history is off the CDC site. Uh, let me read this. Any medical uh, intervention, vaccines also entail risk. Vaccine reactions are generally mild, rarely um, can be severe. When a disease is common and it can have serious consequences, the public generally finds that the benefits of a vaccine that it can prevent it outweigh the relative low risk of a severe side effect. But as the incidence of diseases decline, risks from vaccination, which remain relatively constant, constant, can appear more prominent. Ultimately, the risks from the vaccine can seem more threatening than the risks from the disease. Providing the patient and parents of pediatric patients with accurate information about the benefits and risks of a vaccination is important for both ethical and legal reasons, end of quote. Now, this is off the CDC site, so let's look at where this vaccine information statement came. Well, 1976, in a case where Rysworth-Wyatt Laboratory, the parents of a child who developed vaccine-associated polio after receiving the polio vaccine um, sued the vaccine manufacturers and won. That's why they won a case. Um, now, the court ruled you know, that in the absence of a learned intermediary, you know, we're talking a, a doctor that's going to shoot the kid, the manufacturer is responsible for warning patients about a vaccine's potential risk. Now, again, I'm quoting, reading off of this form. Predictably, this caused consternation among manufacturers as well as increase in vaccination prices to cover the cost of litigation. Okay, let me... Be clear on this, that there was so much damage by the vaccine that they had to do the vaccine information statement. However, knowing that the product was damaging people um, and the lawsuits were being won, they had a problem. Okay, now listen, I got to read this again. Predictably, this caused consternation among manufacturers as well as increase in vaccine prices to cover the cost of litigation. The CDC negotiated with the manufacturers and agreed to assume this responsibility by adding a duty-to-warn clause to the CDC vaccine-purchased contracts. So now, it's not, it's not that the vaccines were made safer, According to the U.S. Supreme Court, they're unavoidably unsafe. So when we look at a historical vaccine schedule, there were 11 vaccines in 83. There were 18 vaccines in 94. In 2015, there were 54 vaccines. Four years later, we have 72 vaccines um, and increasing. So when we look, let's go back to 1976. Now, this is before the liability protection from the vaccine manufacturers. Okay, and they used to, before 1976, um, gave out inf- important information statement. That's an IIS. Now let's look at 1986, um, this addressed the immediate goal in informing patients about vaccine risk. However, the problem of litigation over alleged vaccine injuries remained. The, and again, I'm reading right off of the CDC site. The number of lawsuits involving the DTPT vaccine alone increased from one in 1978 to 73 in 84. There was a danger of vaccine manufacturers withdrawing from the market. The new challenge was not only to inform patient about the risk and benefits of vaccine, but to find a no-fault alternative to the tort system for adjudicating vaccine injury claims. Okay, you're right. Listen, I'm saying that the reason that the forced medical procedure was, was or, or that they gave liability to the vaccine manufacturers is because their product was harming so many people and they were drowning in lawsuits. That's exactly what I read from the CDC's site. So this goes on to talk, and, and I'm going to go over everything okay, to describe it, but it talks about the, the development of this. And um, here, let me read the 1994 one. In spite of the developing of the... Um, where is it? Okay, yeah. In spite of developing the vaccine information pamphlets and the fact that many patients found them informative and easy to understand, they were criticized for the overwhelming amount of information they campaigned as being too willy, um to read and comprehend during a clinical visit. So this means that the information they had to give about the risks and benefits of the vaccines were so complicated and hard, they had to reduce them. They had to make it simpler. So what they did uh, was they changed the laws. The original law had 10 different aspects to it, and each of the aspects of the law had to be included in the vaccine information. And this was under the 1986 law. And we're talking this frequency and severity of potential long-term effects of the disease, um, symptoms and reactions from the vaccines, legal measures that you could take, precautionary measures, early warning signs, a description of the manner which legal representation could monitor such events and reactions. Um, So it went over to detail out how if there was a response, if there was vaccine damage, how you could find it out, and who you could go to. All of that was too complicated for parents to understand. So the CDC made it really nice and easy. They wiped out the ten rules, and they gave you four. So this way, even simpletons could understand it. Of course, they wiped out all of the legal processes in helping you to find out. So in 1993, there's four. Number one, a clear, concise description of the benefits of the vaccine. Bam, that's going to be on the pamphlet. Number two, a concise description of the associated um, risks with the vaccine. Number two, a statement of the availability of the uh, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program and any relevant information as may be determined by the Secretary. Wow. So, what can you do? Knowing that martial law, and again, this is the government just testing the waters. We have adult vaccine schedules that are going to be forced on you. And if they're doing martial law and declaring a state of emergency with four cases of measles out of 325,000, and no one's d- get dying or hospitalized or anything else, Um, This is really turning up the heat of a bunch of frogs in water. So you need to get educated from all health sources. I'm reading off a CDC pamphlet that talks about how they've actually changed the information they're giving you. Why? Because if you change the information, then you're going to think and your children are going to think this is normal. Share the information with your friends and family. Repeal the liability protection for the vaccine manufacturers. You have to repeal that liability. You you have to find your voice or you're going to be silenced. This is the the literally martial law is now being enforced to force medical procedures on people that have legitimate religious exemptions. Forget California. We don't have any of those exemptions. If you get a medical exemption in California, they're being prosecuted. The doctors are. You take a stand now or be prepared to fall. You are literally the last hope of our our population. We're going to have this tonight. We're going to have the details. Share this. Share this audio. Go to the CDC site. Check out the history of the vaccine information pamphlet and you will be blown away. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you. I love you. plus.